Blog Talk Radio. Everybody out there listening on this Saturday morning at 8 o'clock sharp. My name is Will Porter, and I am the host of Southern Sports Central, the fifth quarter radio show right here on Blog Talk Radio. Good morning to everybody. Um, it, it is Saturday, the 11th day, about two days away from the national championship game, uh, about two days and about uh, 12 hours or, so, um, or a day and a half, if you will. Um, and then also not to mention the NFL games that are going to be happening as well uh, today, this afternoon, and tomorrow afternoon as well. Uh, just a full slate of football, a last-minute uh, last push for the football fanatics, just trying to squeeze out as much uh, football as we can uh, as we're approaching February and then a, a, a little uh, dry spell all throughout uh, to, to the month of September when football is finally back in action but until then we have this uh, to hang on to if you will um and so a lot to really a lot to really dive into to dissect for today's show and it's it's going to be specifically about playoff footballs and specifically the divisional round in the nfl and then the college football playoff national championship coming up on monday so looking at the topics a lot of the different uh, storylines that are surrounding these all of these matchups and I, I, have, I heavily encourage you, if you are listening on the show and want to uh, call in and give, give us some input or anything like that, the number to call in is 323-784-9681. It is going to be a fantastic uh, show today as I have uh, Richie here. We, we are both in the studio today, uh, going to, uh, of course, have some, uh, have some awesome guests be able to join us here, too. I think Ben Moore is going to try to uh, make his way in here. He is a... Uh, one, one of our best contributors here, uh, I do believe that he is there at the, um, at the site in New Orleans uh, for the national championship game le- leading up. We had Matt Sims earlier this week. Um, he, he is not, unfortunately, he's not going to join us today, but I will uh, highlight some things that he did say in our conversation on Thursday. And, and then not to mention uh, just, the, just the general... Um, just a, a general sense of the uh, the atmosphere that is in uh, New Orleans, uh, especially in Louisiana. One of the things that we're talking about uh, today is the, you know the home field advantage um, card. If if you want to look at it that way, it is technically a neutral site game. Baton Rouge is not New Orleans, and New Orleans is not Baton Rouge. However, LSU, that being in the backyard. Um, that that can be proven to an advantage to, to some degree. It's still, I can see it being a 50-50 showing for these teams, uh, for the, for the fan bases going into the into these different um, into the different sides of the stadium, and it is going to be packed. It is going to be loud. It is going to be a great game because this is uh, clearly the best two teams 
that uh, the, the college football playoff has had to uh, offer. Really, the, the juggernaut Clemson that is trying to, uh, you know, still staying on course. What I mean by that is, you know, staying on the course of, uh, it, are, there, are their wins validated? Are they, are they really the best or just the best of, of the worst conference? If you, uh, if you tend to look at it that way, we can dive into that. Uh, later on in the show, plus LSU and talking on the other side, LSU, this uh, this up and coming story of, of a quarterback in Joe Burrow, who uh, was drafted or not drafted. I say drafted because he entered the transfer portal and we basically say that's the college football draft. But he was he was uh, committed to go to Ohio State. He, he went to Ohio State. He did not get the starting job. He ends up transferring and goes to LSU. And there at LSU. That's where a lot of the magic starts to happen. Coach O.C.'s talent in, in him, and he has who was a former NFL uh, receivers coach or NFL quarterbacks coach, offensive coordinator for the New Orleans Saints, something with the offensive role, and he comes into LSU and has uh, worked with Joe Burrow, has worked with this offense, and created this whole new uh, scheme uh, of passing and being able to have receivers go, go in certain routes. And just talking about how talented that Joe Burrow is, uh, mixing all of that together into what is the the LSU um, Tigers, the Bayou Bengals, if you will. And uh, uh, real quick, I want to uh, have Richie jump in here, and I want to say uh, top of the morning to you. And uh, yeah, it's just a, a great weekend of football, just uh, across the spectrum. Of course, it's usually throughout the week that it's college football, then NFL, and the football going to get two days to NFL and college football come Monday. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Glad to hear. It's been a week that I've got one on. For me, early in the morning, uh, with Southern Central, uh, I last week that we're going to change gears as we get more guests in. The event as well, uh, but yeah, great weekend at football, man. All the you're having NFL football, it's hard to do football on. With college, and it's a good one to kind of go back to the uh, the LSU idea. I mean, it. Backyard. It's it's not home field, but it's going to be home field advantage. I mean, they won't have, you know, uh, in Death Valley over there where their literally backyard is, but it is still there uh, <laughs> in New Orleans. And, and trust and believe me, I don't know if it's actually a better atmosphere uh, over there. And uh, they're going to probably, you know, they're going to party like it's Mardi Gras. No doubt. I'm sure it started sometime yesterday. Maybe, hell, it might have started when they knocked uh, the South Oklahoma. But this should be a good game come Monday night. Uh, and I know we get into that here today. You mentioned Ben Moore coming in. He should be joining us. I'm not sure if he's there or in Atlanta. But he'll give us Great. If not, we got a lot to cover. Uh, and of course, uh, me, fan, you as well. 
I'm curious to see how we do this weekend. Of course, we've got a big game with uh, Seattle to see how uh, how does that work? Uh, you know, two hours is get two hours is definitely going to be each game and, and each thing. And of course, there's some new headlines that's kind of out there on our Twitter page as well. Um, I was up early this morning now, uh, some information too. So Georgia does, by the way, have a quarterback. Of course, I don't know if you saw that or not. I did see that. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, well, that was itself out. You know, it's interesting. Uh, to see him come over here, he looks to be maybe a dual threat quarterback. I haven't researched him as well, uh, but there's a lot of information there on our Twitter page at SO Sports Central. We'll be tweeting throughout the show, and we'll continue to let you know the avenues and ways to get in touch with us, Will. But uh, yeah, looking forward to today's show, and uh, just glad to hang out with you. Oh, yes, sir. And uh, glad that you, the listeners out there, are going to be hanging out with us today uh, for, from 8 to 10, uh, just to kind of give you the, the kickstart uh, to the. Um, to this weekend for for Saturday, Sunday, and Monday for these games, and kind of uh, setting them up, framing them up, and then uh, and then just uh, how the games are going to play out. We'll see how that how that happens and how uh, how fate decides uh, that's going to happen. But for that, on that note, we're going to take a time out here. Time is 8:09, and uh, to that I say good morning to everyone there, and I'm glad that you're listening to Southern Sports Central right here on Block Talk Radio. This is the fifth quarter radio show. Good. Oh, we should pay. Oh. 
And welcome back in here, ladies and gentlemen. This is Southern Sports Central on Blog Talk Radio, the fifth quarter radio show. Uh, my name is Will Porter, and to my right is Richie Altman here. And uh, uh, we're going to be giving you about, you know, an hour, another hour and 45 minutes worth of uh, good, good sports coverage into the games uh, that are going to be happening today, uh, Sunday, and come Monday uh, for the NFL division rounds, uh, football, and then the college football playoff national championship that will feature number one LSU and number three Clemson in New Orleans in the Big Easy. Big game in the Big Easy. Um, Richie, the biggest conversation I, I think has been surrounding this whole um, entire matchup is that LSU, in, in this, to the eye of the beholder is what it is, LSU has a quarterback in Joe Burrow, uh, undoubtedly the number one overall pick uh, to be exiting and entering the NFL draft, he's, he's going to be he's going to be pick number one, and he, they've they've already proven themselves. They have this is this is the final game that they have to that they have to win, and the Cinderella story will be complete. Then you have the team Clemson, who has been has been really labeled the underdogs, and to some it it seems annoying that uh, Dabo embraces it. It it seems just a, a little bit uh it seems a little bit sideways whenever he talks about being the underdogs and and not getting enough respect for Clemson and and all of these and all of these things that come across as negative again to the eye of the beholder and the question of course becomes with this match you have by the numbers the two best teams in college football you have you know match up to to match up they are and just about even, uh, if not, uh, if not LSU, just being a little bit better. But the conversation concerning this is that it is it is uh, Clemson's time to hand off the the title to LSU uh, in this game, and and Clemson Dabo Sweeney in particular uh, begged for a lot of Clemson fans begged to differ that as well. I mean, if you're a Clemson fan, why wouldn't you? If you're Dabo, why wouldn't you? I mean. I look at this game as a very interesting way to define two different things. Number one is LSU legit, real. This is their final test. On the other side, they're always Roger Dangerfield. That's like a shirt with Roger Dangerfield in the front. On the back, it says no respect. I mean, just that's that's the way it works. Everybody I hear from Clemson, and again, something on social media. It might have been even today. I do. I don't understand how these beat writers think that Clemson is going to come in here and just hand uh, and hand LSU a loss. And so, a couple of it's not just that, this, that. Yeah, that's a no. Actually, it's not just the media because I do see stats coming out. I do see predictions of scores from Clemson thinking that they're going to win by three touchdowns or two touchdowns, and and that's great. Be be optimistic. It's cool. It, it's it's what we do best here, but. Be realistic in, in between the lines here because LSU is legit. I don't know why you think why you think your defensive line is going to just walk over that offensive line of LSU, who you don't think they're not seeing the biggest boys in the business in college football. The defense of what the SEC is what they're known for. They're known for defense. They're not known for offense. Just like the Big 12 has been known for offense and the Big 10 is known for defense, so is the SEC, and it hasn't changed. And you don't think that Alabama's defensive line isn't good? You're crazy. If you don't think that Auburn's defensive line isn't good, you're crazy. Or you're 
Georgia. You're crazy. And I'm going to keep naming them because other than the fact that you just saw against the state. Because at the end of the day, Ohio State hung what they left, 12 points outside of the rim. And I will say that your defense did do a job but not breaking to get, and I hate that phrase, but it's, it is, everybody understands it, to only get three points three different times. But don't forget that, that this LSU team, they're not going to get in the red zone and stall out. They're going to put seven in the board. You cannot allow LSU to score and you not score. You're going to have to score as many as they score, if not a one more extra one. And again, I watched what you did against a handful of teams. Yeah, you got pissed off there towards the end when everybody started calling you out. They started saying this. Then you started running the score up. It, that's great. This is not a team. And I may eat my words come Tuesday afternoon when we do our show, and you may look at me and say, well, oh, what happened? I'm going to say, hey, look, but all those guys said this is what was going to happen. They were right. I was wrong, and that's just the way it is. I just don't see it. I'm not saying that LSU is going to run the table. I said they can. I'm not saying they're going to. So you can tell I'm a little fired up. I haven't had a chance yeah. to get into it, but it's just I, – I, do you – how do you feel that, that LSU is offensive line is not good? Or your defensive line is that much better? Yeah, the just the expectations versus reality. And, and I and I, I don't want to discredit what I'm going to say, but for for those that have been longtime listeners, and I'll say it again for them and, and I'll say it again for those that are just joining us for the first time, if you are, welcome in. Um I, I am a, a Clemson fan, but I'm not that type of like I would say arrogant Clemson fan who believes that we are untouchable. No, I, I saw that we had some, uh, we had some quality issues in our defense uh, last year in, in the uh, Palmetto bowl when uh, Jake Bentley was, uh, was going to that um, uh, car was Bryce Edwards. Or, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And to, or the Depot. It, it was the Debo Samuels more yeah. so and, and ate the secondary just completely ate them up. That's right. how that's how they were able to score so much was because of the the secondary and the mistakes that the that the secondary made uh, on Clemson's defense. Now, obviously there have been there have been some improvements, many improvements. Uh but it, it's still susceptible to that uh you you saw that in in Ohio State. And really Ohio State was was the test uh was the litmus test to see how Clemson can hang uh with these with these opponents because you, They've run up uh, 28 plus, 30 plus points in in games since uh, the beginning of October. Ever since that close call, that very close call with uh, with North Carolina in the Tar Heels up there in uh, Chapel Hill. Uh, with, with all of that being said, LSU, have you not? I guess the news didn't get out that LSU's offensive line won an award uh, for the best offensive line in the country. And just hand them out. They, they they just don't be like oh here you go you have the best quarterback so here here you go no no they they have that for a reason and and if you you are you are dumb to think uh, you, you're a fool to think if if your defense your defensive line and the linebackers are going to be able to pressure Joe Burrow in that in that way I, and to that I say have you seen him when he's out of the pocket when he's forced out and he ends the play nine times out of ten he is better than when he was in the pocket or even running it by himself. And and that's also a a testament to the receivers for also hanging with him as well to extend the plays and be like, okay, so see if the defense is going to bite on him and run, and then the receiver's going to go, all right, I'm going to go the other way. Joe sees that, he he recognizes it, and then slings it 
Right. And then there's nobody within 10 minutes of And by the time he's gone to the big house for six points, that, that's, how quick, that's how quick that this LSU team can, can come back and bite you. It's the expectation versus reality. And I get it. Like, you, you, you think that uh, the, the national championship game is going to be like last year when Alabama had a lapse for some reason, that we, that we saw it in midway through the first on into the second quarter where it was, like, tied at 14-14 or if it was a 14-7. And then Clemson just ran away with it. That, that's, not going, that's not going to happen. And if it does, I will be shocked. I think right. all of us will be shocked. But it's just a matter of coaching and how solid that, how solid that the LSU coaches have been uh, week in and week out from start to finish, how consistent that they have been on offense. Have you not seen uh, – and we, we, can, we can go into this a little bit about uh, the, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl uh, just two weeks ago and how Oklahoma just got steamrolled. From, from a quarterback who scored seven touchdowns and six over the air. Right. And, that, and, and that this, yes, it could be a testament to how, how awful that Oklahoma's defense was. But it could also be a testament to how great that this LSU offense actually is. Right. Well, I mean, I think you nailed it on the head here. And a couple of things. Number one is, is when you look at it, they won the award. It was the Joe Moore Award, which goes to the nation's uh, top offensive line. That was an LSU, by the way. And, uh, and maybe some of this retraction is because certain fans are starting to realize, well, wait a minute, hold on. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy coming to the water cooler on Tuesday eating a bunch of crow. And, and that could be as well because now everybody's like, well, you know, uh, whatever, dude. Look, you and I had this conversation, not you and I, but you and I, others have had this conversation where people have just come out and said, look, you just don't respect Clemson. I do respect Clemson. I told everybody Clemson's probably – you know, going to make their way in. They're going to have to win their way in because of the conference that they're in and the lack of uh, talent that they play against. I mean, look at the bowl games, for example. I think they finished, if not three wins in the bowl season. They went like three and seven in the bowl games. That's one area that they usually win in is the bowl games. They didn't even do that very well. So for me, yeah, it, it is a testament that if Clemson can come in here on Monday night and they can punch LSU in the mouth, they're going to have to keep punching them, though. I think that's what happened in Alabama. I remember watching this, and I was surrounded by a bunch of Alabama fans, and, 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 and they were all, you know, watching this game. And, and it wasn't maybe the first punch, but it was the second punch. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> she looked at me, and she goes, well, that's it for that. I don't think we're going to get back in this one. Because <laughs> it was that simple. That was the understanding of that game. And for me, you know, I just don't see that happening. Because when you're averaging and just kind of looking at their scores and, and all that they've done this year, LSU, they've averaged somewhere around 35 to 42 points a game. 45, 42 to 35 points a game in the SEC. That's a big deal. Everybody wants to underplay the SEC. And I'm going to be honest with you. I understand that they not, they're not who they were four years ago. But they're better this year than they were in many years past. You know, Alabama, with a two-loss record, pretty daggum good. Florida, two-loss record, pretty daggum good. Auburn, three-loss record, pretty daggum good. And I'm just naming teams who have been there before. Then everybody says, well, it's all about the West. Well, look at the bowl games. Look at the bowl games. The SEC East went undefeated in bowl games. The West lost two. So when you look at it, say what you will, and, and this is the fun part, because I am an SEC guy. I don't hide it. I don't like the ACC. I, I think the teams that get in and start winning, yeah, Florida State jumped in the, SC, in the ACC to do exactly what they wanted to do, win a bunch of titles, get a chance to play for a national title, win those and move on. 
Here comes Virginia Tech. Here comes Miami. They thought they were going to have kind of an easy slate as well. Didn't happen so much. Just like Missouri. When Missouri came to the SEC, they brought in that, that, that Big 12 offensive system that, that the SEC took them a while to get used to. And they were able to win early. They were able to win big. So did Texas A&M. But now everybody knows. It's kind of like that rookie quarterback. You don't know what to expect, but bring him in the second year. Let's talk about it. And I think that's what's happened to Miami, to Florida State. Or excuse me, to Miami, to Virginia Tech, to Pitt. Some of these other teams that have come in here, uh, I want to say Boston College is part of that. Yeah. So there's so many teams that have done this. Louisville, remember when they came in, they were pretty daggum good. Well, yeah, they also had a Lamar Jackson. Yeah, too. Lamar Jackson. They've had a few guys that have come through there, yep. you know, and, and to be honest with you, you know, my thing is I still think you go back and get strong back over there, but that's another story for today. But I don't say that Clemson is going to get smoked. I do feel like if, 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 the, if, if the players do what I think they can do, they don't look at all this crap. They don't care about this. They understand that, look, the only game that matters is the one that's going to kick off on Monday night. And all the records you can take and throw out, you have to respect each guy and go after each guy, play your position, get in position, and do what you need to do. You do that, and everything will take care of itself. We looked at that. coordinators I've seen in the game. He's very smart. He's like a Bill Belichick type of guy. You know, he can really prepare his guys. On the offensive side, you're going to get, you know, Coach Elliott. He's going to be stepping up now. Of course, he's going to be uh, – you know, the main caller, but they're also going to get in there with with, uh, with the gentleman that's heading down to South Beach here short, or heading down to Florida is his last game. So you're going to have him in there. So there's going to be some emotions on that side, too. So I really feel like Clemson's going to come in here with a point to prove and an opportunity to not just uh, – they don't really fly. And that's one thing about you Tiger guys, that y'all don't really fly the ACC flag. And why would you? Because it's not a good conference. It's a big difference from the SEC deal. But with that being said, say what you will. Clemson is representing the ACC, and that is a huge win for you guys to continue because nobody has dominated the SEC more than the Clemson Tigers. I'm talking about the ACC more than the Clemson Tigers in recent memory, and I think that that – No, 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 no. I meant the SEC. Oh, the SEC? The oh, yeah. Every time oh, they yeah. play the yeah. SEC, they're, they're, they're kryptonite, dude. Oh, I got it now. They beat Alabama. They beat LSU. They beat South Carolina. They, they beat, beat Georgia. Georgia. Right? Yeah. They beat the teams on their schedules. Who's that? Oh, that's a and We beat them, too. Right, and that's how it is. So Clemson is the SEC killers when it comes down to it. Yeah, and and this this may be a turn of the tide. I, I really don't know because uh, th- this is such a, a great game to to look at and to dissect and be like, oh man, I can't wait for these this game to to finally get underway. And, and what's weird about it, I, I think that for me, uh, looking at it from a fan's perspective, but then you know, kind of having to to remain. Uh, somewhat neutral and looking at it, looking at it through the the lens of what we do on the radio. That, um, th- th- with this matchup, it just just how it's just how the sequence is going. That we we talk about all these you know what ifs and and all this, and then the game finally gets underway. And when the game finally gets underway, I, I feel like a lot of those conversations stop until something is, is proven otherwise. And, and like, and and. And that's just that's just general looking at it uh, through through that lens. But you know, L- LSU is not LSU is not South Carolina. LSU is is not a uh, Texas A and M. LSU is not a uh, it wouldn't even be an Alabama uh, compared to uh, what you saw last year in the national championship game. Uh, LSU is LSU, and they have their own they have their own scheme, and they are ready to win now. And, and I think that they are poised to uh, to get into a, a uh, title contention each and every year, 
uh, that that is if they continue to draft uh, quarterbacks like like Joe Burrow or being able to uh, recruit those guys um, and, and being able to to turn them out into NFL to be top draft prospects and like again continuing to do that uh, and and to uh, to build that um, dynasty if you will and the thing about Clemson and uh, I'll get into this after the break uh, Clemson's dynasty they they believe that dynasty is not going to go anywhere because it's only, it's only uh, just getting started for the most part. And again, I, I haven't read much into it because uh, I, I, I think I've been trying to stay away from, from all of that talk about, you know, Oh, Clemson is Clemson is this. So they're so great. We're, we're unbeatable. We're undefeated in, in SEC play uh, over the past couple of years. This and that and the other, I try to stay away from that just because that, that toxicity, if I, me being a Clemson fan, if I get pulled into that, I, I know myself, I'm susceptible to uh, start start to become that way and looking at it through through that eye of bias. But I, I'm not going to, and, and I, I can't afford to do that. Uh, and, and not only that, I just don't like to. I, I don't like to uh, get in get into all of that, um, you know, all the negativity talk and whatnot. So yeah, I agree with you because here's the thing for 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 this will, and I know we're going to go to break here in a second to kind of break up conversation, but. You know, for me, Clemson's got a lot on the line here. They have a chance of really stamping in this dynasty stamp that they really are looking to put on this program, and I think they're there. There's no doubt about it. He's building something special. He's not going anywhere. Uh, He has what every coach has always visioned of having, and that is a a great support system. It looks like in the administration. That's where it starts. I don't care what anybody says. If you don't have great administration, then, then it, it all starts from the top. And, and I go back to the famous quote from uh, um, one of my favorite movies of all time, Remember the Titans, and attitude reflects leadership. Leadership starts at the top. That's administration. Then it falls its way down into different offices and finally on the football field to the players and the coaches, so on and so forth. He has that at Clemson. He has everything that he's asked for. They give it to him. They build him slides. They give basketball courts. I mean, hell, they'd give him anything he wants. I mean, you know, they'd probably build him a – whatever. He wants a Chick-fil-A, you got it. Whatever you need, Dabo, just let us know. He's kind of – you know, he's becoming the godfather over there. So that works out. 29 wins in a row is what it is. I don't care who you are, what level you're at, what game you play. When you win 29 games in a row – I said this to a middle school team after they won the middle school championship game this past year. I said, guys, for you guys to go and win a championship, that's huge. I said this to the Somerville JV football players and their coaches. Guys, I don't care what level you're at. To go undefeated is impressive. But to win 29 games in a row and look at their resume. Look at the 29 teams they beat. Take out the Dukes. Take out the, the Wake Forces and, and the Pitts and all these other little no, not impressive games. There is a lot of impressive games in there that you can really say they've beaten Alabama, beaten LSU, they've beaten Georgia, South Carolina, A&M. We can keep going on. They've beaten Florida State. They've beaten Notre Dame. Remember, Notre Dame is not in the ACC. They beat them in, in, that, in the mud bowl over there that night. So there's a lot on the line Monday night. And, and for Dabo to go 30-0, and 0, I really, I think, is going to propel him over a few more coaches to get him up to that top conversation uh, to where you do start to think, man, this kid's a lot younger. And I don't mean it disrespectfully, but compared to Nick Saban, he's a, he's, he's a young man. You know, and uh, to 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 be in that conversation, to be in that 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 fraternity is uh, is just an honor in itself. And I think you watch out, man. This guy, he knows what he's doing. He recruits great coaches. He goes out and gets great players. I mean, all the way up to to his belief on and off the field of of his uh, of his Christian, you know, beliefs and things like that. It all starts there, and then it falls down in between. Will. Yeah, absolutely. And and on that note, we are going to take a quick 
uh, break right here and uh, stay with us because again, still continuing on the on the uh, college football playoff national championship conversation, and, and as we're rolling into uh, about 8:30, going into the uh, going up to the second hour. So uh, stay with us right here. You are listening to Southern Sports Central on Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back in here. This is Southern Sports Central right here on Blog Talk Radio. Time right now is uh, 8.35, transitioning into 8.36 probably right now. Uh, this is the fifth quarter radio show right here on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Will Porter. To my right is Richie Allman, and we are uh, currently in the conversation of uh, Clemson LSU, the college football playoff uh, national championship game that's going to be played 
two day, two days from now, about uh, eight o'clock come Monday uh, on ESPN uh, Monday night. And th- in this game, again, this is going to feature uh, really really two complete teams. So uh, let, let's get down to um, let's get down to the gridiron aspect of it and kind of kind of talk about this uh, this preview this this setup here that uh, you know L- LSU is ranked they're ranked number one in the country. And they have been the most talked about team in college football this season. And uh, for, for good reason, because you have a quarterback, Joe Burrow. He won the Heisman in, in historic fashion. He's the main reason LSU is favored uh, to beat Clemson uh, in this game. Now, number three, Clemson is 14-0 and like LSU. But unlike LSU, Clemson is also the defending uh, national champions, uh, winner of 29 consecutive games and looking for its third national championship in four seasons. Um, you know, what uh, Davo Sweeney said uh, uh, this week to, to reporters uh, talking about experience, he said it's always good to have experience. But we, we won the national championship uh, with a true freshman quarterback last year. That was, that was supposedly a disadvantage for us, so I don't buy any of that stuff. Uh, of course, talking about Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence has gone 25-0 and 0 as a starter, and he took over early last season, and he threw two touchdown passes. He ran for more than 100 yards, uh, including that uh, 67-yard touchdown um, rush there, and he drove the Tigers 94 yards in the uh, to the winning touchdown with less than two minutes remaining in uh, the 29 to 23 victory against number two Ohio State in the semifinal at the Fiesta Bowl. Um, and what Ed, Ed Ogeron said about Lawrence that takes him plays in, in big time ball games for a big chunk of yards. Obviously, he made some big gains against Ohio State, which helped them win the game. Uh, but just as LSU has gotten more attention than Clemson this season, so too has Burrow gotten more attention than Lawrence. Now, Burrow, he broke the SEC single-season records uh, for touchdown passes and uh, in passing yards. And what Burrow says about his guys uh, or about himself, it's more so about his receivers. He says, we have five NFL guys in routes every single snap, and it's tough to cover. But we're a tough matchup for a lot of people, and then I just try to get the ball in, ha- in their hands on time and accurately and then let them do the rest. And while the offense is a marquee unit for LSU, Clemson's defense has drawn the most attention during its championship runs, though both teams are obviously complete teams. Um, For the number side of things, Clemson, they allow the fewest points of any team in the country and the second fewest yards. The points, 11 11 and a half per game on average, and the second fewest yards at 264.1. what Burrow said about them, you can tell that they have 11 really smart guys. They do a lot of different things on defense, and they have a really good coach, talking about Brett Venables. That makes it difficult. And the LSU defense was inconsistent for much of this season, and it bottomed out when it allowed uh, 402 rushing yards and 614 total yards to Ole Miss in a 58-37 win uh, in mid-November. But in the four games since, LSU has allowed averages of just 86 rushing yards 184 passing yards and 16.3 points. Now, All-American safety Grant Delpit, he said, I think after the Ole Miss game, it was kind of a turnaround for us. I think we just kind of lit a fire and started playing LSU football after that. And the home state crowd figures to favor LSU just as the odds makers have favored them. But Clemson has been there, done that team. They are the been there, done that team, this matchup. Um, And what senior linebacker, uh, Chad Smith has said uh, he said that he's been blessed to be a part of all four national championship appearances all the way back to his red shirt year. Uh, that's pretty surreal. So LSU, they've beaten six teams that were ranked in the top 10 when they played 
Clemson's first game against a top-10 team came against Ohio State. But it showed its championship pedigree and overcame a 16-point deficit, a 16-0 and deficit uh, to win that game. And so last word that Dabo Sweeney says, that it's a great matchup, the two best teams for this year, two great quarterbacks. That's the way a championship game ought to be. Richie. Well, see, for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's advocate just because uh, of that article. Here, here's the thing. Two calls on that, in that game changed the entire atmosphere, the entire direction, the entire energy of that game. Two I, calls. I agree. Right? Yes. I mean, and, and I'm still trying to understand, and everybody's trying to send me links and send me this and send me that about that catch that was, that was dropped. And, and, again, if you take that many steps in basketball, that's called a travel. You know, it, it's, it's the old take a skateboard next time or jump in a car. I mean, it is what it is. He has to hold it, caress it, give it a name, and get it a birth certificate before it's a catch type thing. That's, that's how they made it sound. Any other time, that's a catch. That's an end zone. That's a fumble. Uh, it, it just It's one of the things that I don't like about instant replay because nine times out of ten, that's a catch, that's a fumble, and it's not even a conversation being had. Now it is, and it did change the game. It is what it is. It changed the game. It was one of many calls. And then the other one that I have a problem with, but I understand it a lot more because of the fact that the gentleman coming in had his head down, right? I get that part. But uh, when you are six foot four, six foot five, six, whatever it is uh, that the quarterback for Clemson is, and you've been down into, other than that, man, that thing doesn't even go nowhere near him. That thing hits somewhere around his, around his waist, maybe in towards his chest or something. But, hey, you got to keep your head up. I know that's a hard thing to remember. Again, this, these guys are, are – or colliding into each other. This is a sport that, that teaches you, basically, it, it's like watching American Gladiators every Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. But you expect these guys at the last minute to say, oh, wait a minute, let me pull my head up. You know, it, there's just different things, and I get it. And, and that rule, initially, from my understanding, again, this is not, this is not facts, this is my, my opinion, was put in to protect a wide receiver from being blindsided. Not the quarterback. The quarterback, you know, here's another thing. You become a runner at some point in the backfield. You're a backfield. You're a quarterback. There's a running back. You have a chance to take off and do things. But those two plays along changed a lot of things. I give Clemson credit. They, they were losing smoke going into the red zone as they were giving up all these yards to, to Ohio State. Almost, matter of fact, there towards the very end when the guy decides to break route. The guy doesn't break route. That's a whole other conversation. You know, so there was a lot of breaks that happened that helped Clemson out. Uh, throughout that game against Ohio State. So that's where, you know, had Clemson manhandled Ohio State, then, then I'd probably be a little different right now. But I think Ohio State lost that game more than Clemson won that game. Yeah, I, I've gotten around to thinking about it that way. And there were, there were just a lot of mistakes that, that were made uh, for Ohio State not to capitalize. And, um, and, and some of them to no fault of their own, um, kind of referring to the, um, the catch incomplete or the fumble incompletion play. Um, and that, and that was kind of, a um, and that one, that one can really go both ways, but it, it went the way that it did and it changed, it changed momentum, no doubt, uh, for, for the entire game, for the rest of the game. Um, you know, with, with that being said, uh, the, you know, the matchup and how it, you know, the matchup and how it's uh, supposed to be played out. I think a lot of people really were expecting, uh, number one and number two, LSU, Ohio state. Uh, and that it's a, it's a completely different uh, turnaround for for this uh, for these programs uh, and in the national championship. I, I think that anybody who is not a Clemson fan, anybody who is not an Alabama fan, anybody who is not a fan of these teams that have these dynasties that are still running or the up and coming, 
that they want to see a new face in the college football uh, playoff national championship game, uh, you know, come in, come in January because it, it's been like, it's been just washed out time and time again of that. Oh, Alabama's in it. Oh, Clemson's in it. They're going to play in the national championship again. And, and we were expecting this, this year to be uh, part five for, for Clemson and Alabama to play at, at some, at some degree. Um, and it's, uh, I think, I think it's two and two now of how the matchups have gone. And, and each time it's been that they, they've traded off national championship, uh, titles, uh, dating all the way back to, uh, 2015. And so now you have an LSU team that, that is coming in They're They're sort of the new blood, but they, they have, they have experienced players. I, I, not, not necessarily the experienced players to be in the college football playoff, but they have. They have good, experienced players that that have been in in these situations before. Plus, they play in the SEC, so you you know that that has to be uh, uh, some kind of uh, pedigree to, to to one point or another. But you heard how Joe Burrow talks about his receivers and, and just how how great that they are, uh, and and it kind of um, it speaks to Burrow's personality again uh, of just how he, he kind of downplays himself just a little bit, and, and that's okay because he he is. He is that talented dude. He is that guy to rely on in in the clutch moments, and uh, and you know with that success that they have had, have they they've come on the shoulders of Burrow, but Burrow can only pass the ball, and it's a matter before before his receivers get open and, and catch it, and then run it to to the house or run it for fifty yards or however you look at it, uh, and, and that's really the testament to them. Clemson's advantage. Is is slight in saying that these are you you heard it like a um you heard it like one of the receivers or, or one of the uh, secondaries that he was in the national championship game his redshirt year uh, obviously he didn't play but he was a part of that team and for him to can like continue to be in in that conversation and, and the seat like the seniors for this year or the seniors for last year had had have had the best record for Clemson football ever and. And, and talking about that experience, that's really the only um, argument for, for Clemson as far as experience goes. Yeah, you know, I, I think you look at it here, and, and there's been a lot of change. You, you guys have graduated. If you're Tigers, you've graduated a lot. You've put a lot of guys in the NFL. Uh, today, I believe the Under Armour game is happening uh, for the high school kids. The best of the best are playing a game. It's a high school game. I believe in San Antonio's is the destination. And if you look it up, you're going to see a ton of Clemson Tigers on that team as well. You'll see a lot of Alabama Crimson Tide. You'll see some LSU guys as well. And, and, and let's not overlook, and I get it. I knew last year, watching Alabama last year, and then watching them a couple of games into this year, I, I knew they were in trouble defensively. Now, by being in trouble, they only lose two games. That's pretty daggum good. There's a lot of programs wish they had that problem. But I knew it would be enough to keep them possibly out of the top four. And I knew that going into it, probably about the third or fourth week, I knew their secondary was receptive to being kind of uh, – opened up and ripped apart. I knew their, their linebackers just weren't as good as they have been in the past. Remember, just like Clemson, Alabama throws a lot of guys in the NFL, more than Clemson probably, I, honestly. They, they throw a lot of guys in the NFL year after year after year. You're seeing it now here again with wide receivers, quarterbacks, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, all over the board. You know, uh, there's certain programs that you don't even have to step on the field. You're still going to get drafted. We've seen that at Southern California a lot of times. So uh, to get back to LSU, Look, LSU is always a top five, top ten recruiting class. They have no problems putting five-star kids in the in, in, in the football areas there. They've always been there. Uh, this is not new. Nick Saban, oh, by the way, 
won a, a national championship, I believe, at LSU, didn't he? I think he won two. I want to say. I, I know he won at least two, one two or two or three because like that, those were his. Uh, um, and, and a lot of a lot of people are talking about uh, Alabama or are talking about Nick Saban in that light and saying thank you for setting this up for us. We 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 wouldn't have done it without you. Um, type of conversation because he he won the first uh, championship for LSU right uh, way back when in, in the mid two thousands before he. Uh, I think he ended up going to an NFL job. He went to Miami really, really quickly, and then and then uh, landing in Alabama, where that that dynasty has has been built and is still going strong. And um, and you know if if, if Nick Saban um, if Nick Saban doesn't retire, he, he's going to die being the coach of, of Alabama. I'm pretty sure because uh, that, that that I don't know that contract has to be binding or something. Just how just how great um, how great that he is of a coach and uh, like the the national treasure of Alabama that he is right but you know going all the way back to the the first glory days of LSU that was Nick Saban's team yeah the number five there's overall uh, the overall official record under Saban is uh is 152 23 uh 157 and 23 on the field 17 bowl game appearances with 12 victories seven SEC West titles six SEC championships and five national championships uh, since 2008, Saban's teams have been over uh, a part of each season ranked number one in national polls. I mean, and, and again, that's just the Nick Saban that we have, have come to know and learn and love and, and not like if you don't like Saban. But, uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, uh, you know, with a lot of great uh, people there in that town. And, and, and let me tell you something. He has not only brought in winning back to Alabama and, and it making it title town, even though I get they're not there this year, uh, he has upgraded and really taking that town to another level, man. They're building roads. They're putting interstates in. They're putting overpasses. I mean, it's it's really it's impressive to watch what this guy is able to do. I mean, I don't know how long it's going to be before they just change it from uh, you, you know from, from from where it is to, to what it's going to be. And that would be, of course, uh, you know, uh, Nick Satan Town or Nick Satanville or something like that. I, I don't know Sabinville or whatever you want to call there, but. For me, just watching what this man has done at LSU and then watch him go down, and, and he's that guy. We talk a lot about guys that can transition from college to pros. He's not that guy. He, he doesn't do well when he doesn't have a, a, an opportunity to have that authority. He has to have his finger on the print uh, at, at some level. That's why at Miami it didn't work, and he didn't stay there long, and he comes to LSU, and here he go, or goes to Alabama, and, and the proof's there. But I do believe, I mean, you know, he, was at, he was also at Michigan State there too, by the way. And he's also uh, got connections to who? Been, uh, over with the Patriots. So, Bill Belichick, yeah. yeah, him and Bill Belichick have connections there. I think with the Browns uh, as well. I think it was another time. Yeah, that, that was time. yeah that was, that was a lifetime ago for them, I'm sure. Right, because, right. Uh, yeah, before before Bill Belichick was uh, became the Patriots head coach, that, that's what the, the job that he had somewhere with the Browns, um, and so did Nick Saban as well. Uh, so, they, like, the, the coaching tree for, for both of these guys, it extends so far. And yet somehow that they they are intertwined to one another, um, which again is an incredible uh, testament to, you know, Bill Bill Belichick is a great NFL coach because he he's also the guy who has made the football moves, he's made the roster changes and everything, and and he's gone after those guys, and uh, and really the success that that's been brought upon um, a guy like Tom Brady is is on account of is on account of Bill Belichick and and how what he's been able to do um, for, for a Patriots team before who had no championships. And now 20 years later, they have six and, and this humongous dynasty. 
Like same thing with with Nick Saban, but it's at the college level, and he's brought. I think I think it's three different championships, uh, or or at least two uh, to LSU, and then the the last four at Alabama are three and three. I, I'm not I'm not sure of the numbers on that, but yeah, he has um, he has those six uh, championships, and uh, or he was going after uh, Bear Bryant. He is tied with uh, Bear Bryant's um, most uh, most uh, uh, national championships as a head coach. And he's, he was going to be going after number seven at, at one point or another. Um, that was going to be last year at the uh, national title game where, where they lost to Clemson. And then now this year it's put on hold again because they're not in the conversation. Yeah, you look all the way back. His first, and, and I guess we're kind of breaking away here for a Nick Saban moment here, but Nick Saban started coaching in 1973 to 74 over at Kent State. He was a graduate assistant there. Went on uh, to be the linebackers coach. Then went to Syracuse as an outside linebacker coach in 1977. Went back to where he was born and raised there in, in, in by God, West Virginia. Hey, he was born in uh, Fairmont, West Virginia uh, back in the day as he uh, became the defensive back coach there for a couple of years and then went to Ohio State. I didn't know he coached Ohio State. That's kind of an interesting conversation where he was a DB coach for a couple of years, went to Navy. That's when he hit into Michigan State. He went to Houston with the Oilers there as a defensive back coach. His first head coaching gig, Toledo. No idea. Learned something new today. And then, of course, uh, the rest is on the history books there because he did go to Cleveland after that from 1991 to 94 and then became the head coach in 1995 at Michigan State, then LSU, then the Dolphins, and where he will retire with Alabama. He's a great guy. I mean, look, you don't have to like him, but you daggum have to respect what he's done at Alabama. And it's not easy. Not everybody wins in Alabama, man. I'm telling you, I've seen uh, Don Shula's son went in there and uh, didn't do good at all. And a few other coaches have had some hard days and long nights. Trust me. Yeah, no, that that's the key right there, and just how consistent that he that he's been with, uh, you know, staying with the football job. And and you you heard all those names too, like you heard Toledo, you heard uh, he he went to the the Houston Oilers, uh, you heard Michigan State, he went there twice actually, uh, Navy, West Virginia, all those different um, all those different avenues, and yet uh, the road that that he has paved now, uh, dating all the way back to like. We we start we we kind of uh, the the sports the sports guys and those who know Nick Saban uh, only know part of the story where he's come from. We start at LSU and then from LSU to Miami, then to Alabama. But some of us even forget uh, that that Miami even existed, that that job didn't even exist for him, but it did, and it was kind of the bookmark between these two um, these two programs that he helped uh, to build and to recruit very well from LSU to Alabama. Um, and, and quite, quite frankly, they are the two best, uh, they're the two best football programs in the SEC West that are nine times out of 10, usually there in the national conversation year in and year out. When I, when I think about the, when I think about college football, I think about, I think about an Alabama, I think about an LSU. It's like, I think about a Texas, I think about a university of, of Southern California. I think Oregon, all of those teams that like really in, in, in Ohio State and Michigan, uh, you know, th- those teams in Notre Dame, like those teams there, they are the ones that, you know, to me are, are the, like the, I wouldn't say the pinnacle, but they are the, well, the, the foundation, foundation. of, they're the foundation of college football and, and for the roots for what it's worth. And when you have plenty of those, plenty of those teams that I've mentioned, they are in the top 10, they are in the conversation. But then you have you have teams like Texas, you have te- you have teams like USC, 
Michigan, in some respects, eh, like Jim Harbaugh's done a great job up there, but they, they are not sort of wow factors. And they've I, only and lost I, three games. Though. Yeah, they've only lost three <laughs> games, and then, and, but yet they have these, uh, they have these false expectations year in and year out, like they've won a national championship like uh, two decades ago. Man, the last time that Michigan won a national championship was 1946. So just kind of kind of putting that into perspective for for Wolverines fans everywhere. And and I I don't mean to take a shot. There's no disrespect. Michigan has done done a stellar job with. I mean, heck, you you pumped out Tom Brady for your system. And and take a look at yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. Desmond out. Howard. That was Desmond of, Howard. All yeah, of that. Yeah, and they've had a lot of other names here. For me, <laughs> and, and I'm going to say, uh, yeah. It's harder than people think. No, it may not be harder than you think, but it is what it is. When it comes down to it, and I hate that phrase, but to win a national title takes a lot of luck, man. You got to be really good, and you got to have a lot of luck. It's like playing poker, man, on a Saturday night, man. You don't know what everybody else's cards look like. You just hope that your cards are better than their cards, and that's how it is. Michigan is big time, man. They've lost three games this year. Yeah, they got beat up by Alabama there. And, and and that's just because of the fact that Nick Saban was PO'd about not making it into the Final Four there, and and that's just the way it works, man. You you just happen to be that 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 throw goat. Uh, other than that, I, I think Michigan's legit. I think Ohio State's legit. Uh, I think you have to have those two teams being named on a regular basis. I think that Miami needs to get back to relevance. I, I think they're a huge part of what college football was built upon uh, that we know to come and love. Not maybe the younger generation, but the older generation. Uh, I think Penn State has to be big. I, I think Notre Dame yeah, Penn, has got to be there. Yeah, I was going to say uh, Penn State. Yeah, Oklahoma, Texas has got to be big. You got to get Texas A&M back in to playing against Texas. That's huge. These these rivalry games that have found a way not to play have got to get back to play. You got to make them play each other. It becomes like South Carolina, Clemson. It's it's a state law that these two teams have to play each other. And I think every rivalry needs to be that way. I think Southern Cal's got to be relevant again. It's it's just not right when they're not. You know, there's there's certain programs that you grow up and. And I go back to my favorite announcer of all times of why I do what I do here every day that I jump on the air. It's Keith Jackson. The way that he brought in the Buckeyes and the Michigan Wolverines, man, I wasn't a fan of either one of them, but I was a fan when he talked about them or anybody he talked about. I mean, he was good. Eli Gold's another good guy that you hear. He's the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide, also does NASCAR stuff. But there's certain things, and, and I mentioned radio guys because they're just as important to the game of football. I, did a, I, I retweeted an article about the guy that started in high school Friday Night Lights. Now he's the voice of the LSU Tigers. That, to me, is what America is built on. Take yeah. all this other crap that you're reading and all the stuff we're going through and all these other things that certain people are trying to do that we don't like and we're all on board with that. But let's look at what, what, it, what, what we like to want to maybe wrap our arms around a little bit, and that is there is hope here. In this country, there is hope. Say what you will. And I get how things were built. I'm not getting into that. That's a politics show. That's not what we do here. But I'm allowed to sit in my studio right now and talk about whatever I want to talk about without somebody shooting down my walls and telling me I can't say that. I can't do that. I can't go here. I can't do this. I can't do that. Because a lot of countries, that's what they tell you. That's what you do. And they monitor everything you do. It's called dictatorship. There is no dictatorship over here. As much as you want to whine and, and think there is. Yeah. We get to watch college football on Monday night because we want to. We get to watch high school football Friday nights because we want to. We don't have to worry about a plane driving over us and dropping things down out of the sky of us. Why? Because of where we live. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. So, so I'm kind of having a breakaway moment with you here. But my whole point is this. It, it, it's simple that college football is great because it's not a long string season. It's great because the history that has been built into these programs, the Notre Dames of the world that, that you've heard about, 
touchdown Jesus. And, and you, you think about, you know, all the things that go into Notre Dame. And, and then, of course, and then you talk about a team that hadn't done anything in a long time. I mean, they're worse than Michigan to me. I mean, honestly, every year they're in the top ten. They're in the way of somebody else deserves to be there because you've got to find your way outside the top ten. And it's hard to start. You know, it's kind of like NASCAR. Sometimes when you start outside the top ten, man, it's hard to get in the top ten. You've got to help a couple guys fall out. So, for me, that is a big deal. And I look back at this list, you say what you will about winning in Alabama, and a lot of people say, Will, that it's, it's easy to do. From about 1997, okay, 1997 to about, nine, to about 2006, they were dark days in Alabama. Gene Stallings was the last guy that got all these decorative awards as a head coach. You know, everybody knows Gene Stallings, big-time guy, Alabama guy. Yeah. Right? After him, it was Mike, uh, Mike DeBose, uh, Dennis Frank Warren, uh, Mike P- Price, Mike Shula. Joe Kynes, and then Nick Saban, all the way from DeBose, all the way to Kynes, in between there, not the days in Alabama days that you would ever remember. What did you name, like five or six coaches just then? And like, yeah. Like, there were just so many. And that they, and never were, happened. That never happened. Uh, like, that just, that's just the, the, the turnover rate, if you will, was just, it was just right. terrible to talk about those dark days. I, I think that the moral to the, the entire story, and we're going we're gonna to cut to a break here real quick, but the, the moral to the story that you give is that there, there is emphasis and value placed on hard work and dedication uh, to the trade that you do for the work that you do. Um, and, and as long as you continue to you know, work hard and work at it, you, know, you, you will see the fruits of your labor. We're, we're already seeing that now, with, uh, and you've, you've seen it more than I have. I, I've only been here for, for, what, maybe five months or something like that. And, right. and you, have, you have done a lot to the community. Um, and the communities that surround Somerville, that surround, uh, that, that are in, that within South Carolina and, and even with, within, these, within these walls of the, um, and the borders within the United States, uh, talking about from as far as San Diego, right. as, as far north as, as uh, Pennsylvania or Virginia. You go, you go to the Texases, to, to the Georgias, the North Carolinas, the, the Floridas, the, the Alabamas, um, and all those teams in between and the connections that you've made and the things that you, that you have built um, on here. And like, and that shows the value to me placing it uh, on the placing the emphasis in the value of the athlete, not so much the game itself, but but the athlete. Because um, you know, when it, whenever we get guests in here, we don't really talk much about the game of football. We talk about it some, right? But it's more so a, about the connections and like uh, you know the upbringings and all of those things. And you know, to me, that that is you, you that you have taught me that lesson about you know placing emphasis on the athlete and, and really uh, cherishing it for what it's worth because, you know, a lot, we, and we know this as well, and not a, a lot of news, ath- news outlets, right. they highlight the athlete uh, and, and talking good or bad about him only, only about his game. Right. What we do is, is something far different than that. What, what you have done uh, paving the way for, for these athletes to get on the air, to get recognition, to, to come back and say, Hey, how, how has, uh, how has the sport been treating you? What's your What's your routine like? How How is it? And not only is it, not only is it like for the athletes that are in that moment right now, right. but the ones that are hopeful to get into those moments, right. to, to get into those programs and, and those things, to uh, play football for Division One or somewhere in college. Um, you know, and with that being said, it is is great to to see that um, to see that you know to continue to be paving the way. And uh, continue, and we continue to do that. And it's through hard work. It's through dedication. It's through the the, the toughness and the knit and grit of it all, and and uh, and in, encapsulating it um, 
and just uh, and, and pushing it out there for the masses. The emphasis on, is on the hard work. Right, right. And, and for me, and I'll, and I'll say this, and I know we'll head to the top of the hour break here, but you know, when, when I envision Southern Sports Central, it, it has definitely turned some corners, and we've, we've transitioned to certain things. But, but, for example, I've always wanted to give somebody a voice. You know, you can read about people. You can watch them. You can go and sit in the stands and watch them. But to hear that athlete, to hear his testimony, to hear his, his, his walk and where he's been, you know, you can learn a lot from somebody else. That's why, you know, even Nick Saban says, you know, God didn't make any mistakes by giving you two ears and one mouth. He wants you to hear twice as much as, as you talk. And we've heard that, and I, and I just happened to hear that yesterday on something that was on, on SportsCenter or something like that. They were replaying something. But, you know, when I, when I attach myself to something, it, it, it has to have value. And, and for me, I am a huge, 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 huge part of, of helping those with mental uh, awareness. And, and I went last night over to Matt's Burgers. I got me, myself something to eat, brought it back to the house. And uh, as I was there, um, you know, I, I went and ordered the food. Then I walked back out and, and kind of just had a me moment there. But I walked over towards the train station because, or the train tracks that were right beside Matt's Burgers. I heard the train coming. And I wanted to see how fast this train was coming. Because you remember a couple of weeks ago where this young man jumped in front of a train. And I just wanted to, 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 to kind of just have a moment, have an understanding of what possibly this young man had to think, how bad his life would have been. And, man, my heart is out there for any of you right now, man, woman, or child. If you're dealing with something so bad, and I watched this train come by, and it, it quickly had me in a tear. I mean, just instantly. Because for a man, woman, child, like I said, for anybody to feel like it's just that's their only answer, man, that thing was going to – the wheels were rolling, the horn was going off, and that thing was coming. For that young man to jump in front of something like that, man, oh, man, I, I feel for him. And, and, and so I did that as, as an opportunity for me to kind of understand a little bit more. And, and it touched my heart more than I could ever say on the air. And that's why I do this. That's why I'm, I'm in the midst right now of getting ready to have on uh, a, a one of our shows, and we may do it on a Saturday or a Monday through Friday. I'm not sure how we'll do this. But we're going to have somebody come in. They're going to talk about you know, building your credit up. We're going to talk to them about, for these young athletes, they need to hear this. They need to be educated. They need to understand, look, you have to build your credit up. Your credit is, is your A1A. It's your best friend. It is the best thing you got going for you. Build that credit up, man, and you can buy anything you want. People out here want to give you business money. They want to give you a loan. They want to give you what you want. You got to have credit. You can do anything with credit. You can buy the world with credit. But if you don't have credit, man, it's like having body odor. Man, nobody wants to be around you. And, and, yeah. and so for me, those are one of the many things during the off-season, Will, that you and I are going to work on. We're going to work on bringing some doctors in here like we do David Geyer. He's kind of taking some time away, but we'll bring him back in, talk about preventing ways to get injuries before they happen, things we need to be doing during the off-season so that when it is the season, we're not trying to, you know, find our second air or we're not throwing up trying to get in shape, you know, because if you stay in shape, you don't fall out of shape. You don't worry about throwing up. So things like that are going to happen. Will, I'm going to turn it to you, top of the hour here now. I know we're a little behind that, but – uh yeah, I appreciate you being on board, and, and it's, uh, it's all about growth, man, and it's all about what can we do for this community, and by community, I mean anybody within the listening area. Right, and, uh, and you know, the listening area is, is just about anywhere. This is internet radio. You can just uh, log on with the, a click of a link on Twitter, and, and our Twitter, that we put it out there uh, time and time again, each, each and every show at SO Sports Central. Uh, the great thing about this show as well is that uh, it saves into a podcast, and so you can go and save it for later. It's not it's not a recording a podcast. It, it's a radio show that, that turns into a podcast, so you can go back and, and listen to it. And, and that's the great thing about, about what we do is that, uh, that we're just not 
uh, that we're just not having the conversation for two hours and then not uh, like you can go back and hear us again uh, for, for what it's worth and for what you uh, want to uh, want to uh, pick at and uh, and to take away from from the broadcast that we do. Uh, and so it's, it's just an incredible thing uh, to do this uh, this trade on this network for for more than just the sports uh, itself that we talk about. So with that being said, I know that we are running just a little bit behind, but still uh, top of the hour and uh, a quick commercial break and we will be right back. This is the fifth quarter radio show on Southern Sports Central right here on Blog Talk Radio. My family and I were suffering with no protection from the hot Carolina sun. I called the Tent Farm, and they told me about their line of ceramic window film. Now I have 99.9% protection from harmful UV rays for the ones that matter the most. You don't have to be a math teacher like me for those numbers to make sense. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. I was driving in extreme Charleston heat. I couldn't take it any longer. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I used to be the victim of bad tents. It was so horrible, I was embarrassed to be seen driving even in my own hometown. I called the tent farm, and they took care of me. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I'm Jonathan Farmer, owner and founder of Tent Farm. Are you a victim of bad tent? Are you suffering from extreme heat? We here at the tent farm want to help you with these horrible conditions. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. Welcome back in here, everybody. This is the fifth quarter radio show on Southern Sports Central. My name is Will Porter, and to you, I say welcome in. If you are just joining us, then uh, we've had a great conversation so far uh, talking about the college football and and the national championship game that is up and coming on Monday night. Uh, And uh, we're going to still kind of uh, keep into that conversation. But first, I want to uh, get to uh, a few thank yous from our sponsors. Uh, uh, Of course, we have Guerin's Pharmacy sponsoring the studios. Uh, Matt's Burgers, uh, uh, Richie just gave them a, a, a little shout out that he went there uh, last night to go and uh, grab grab a bite to eat. And that's a place you can also as well in downtown uh, Somerville. Uh, Matt's Burgers, they, they sponsor the hotlines, uh, any, anybody that uh, calls on the phones. And uh, also not to mention the Fan Zone. The Fan Zone, uh, one of our newest, one, uh, newest sponsor members, uh, you can find them at 5070 International Boulevard in North Charleston. South Carolina at uh, at the McCall Center, Suites 106 and 107. That's uh, two suites full of sports uh, memorabilia and uh, things that you can uh, buy for yourself or for a loved one, anybody for the sports fanatic. You want it, they should have it or that they do have it. They got it. Uh, anything from Major League Baseball to NFL stuff to the NBA and NCAA and a lot of stuff in between. That's where you go. And if you can't visit them in store, then you can definitely Check them out on www.thefanzoneshop.com. And uh, if you run into Luke, tell him that the fellas from Southern Sports Central uh, sent you over there. Uh, great, great time to be, continue to be talking about the national football, um, talking about the college football conversation. Uh, and we're going to transition into NFL probably at about uh, 9.30 for, for the last 30 minutes of the show. But, but Richie, uh, one of the things that – um, one of the things that surrounds college football and, and this national championship game now is is the coverage and just how much coverage that there actually is on this game. I mean, they're, they're, it's going to be, what, 40, 40 straight hours that they said ESPN is going to start covering this 
uh, come Sunday after the after the games, uh, or or even while the games are still going on for NFL, and just leading up to the eight o'clock kickoff uh, for the national championship game. And you have a lot of you have a lot of coaches and a lot of coverages that is going to be uh, coming out of this. And it's ironic that we talk about Nick Saban because Nick Saban. He he's going to have probably the most prominent role in this uh, in this uh, title game coverage. Uh, you know, still a couple of days remain uh, as before they battle in the Big Easy ahead of the matchup. Uh, but ESPN they they put it in a release on Thursday. They announced that they will have 40 plus hours of coverage for the title contest across multiple networks, starting on Friday with 25 hours of programming on site in New Orleans. And, of course, while Ed Ogeron and Dabo Sweeney will be the ones roaming the sidelines uh, on Monday evening, they are not the only prominent college football head coaches that are headed to New Orleans for the festivities. ESPN announced that Alabama's Nick Saban, Ohio State's Ryan Day, and Texas A&M's Jimbo Fisher will all be making on-air appearances, though Saban will have the greatest presence uh, of the three head coaches. Now, uh, this was according to the ESPN release that it said ESPN's studio programming will hit its apex on Championship Monday as the network offers seven hours, seven hours of pregame coverage and all-day programming from New Orleans leading into the sports finale. Throughout the day, the network will be the home to all the latest news around the game and both participating teams throughout the day, as well as some of the sport's biggest names headlined by Alabama's Nick Saban, the six-time National champion head coach will have a prominent role on ESPN pregame shows leading into kickoff. Also appear on networks on the network's halftime coverage. Overall, ESPN uh, ESPN's Championship Monday lineup features 25 hours of programming originating from the Big Easy across all of its networks. Headlined by special editions of College Football Playoff pregame, Championship Drive, College Game Day built by the Home Depot, and College Football Live. Ohio State's Ryan Day and Texas A&M's Jimbo Fisher will be among the additional guests joining multiple shows throughout the day's coverage. Now, Monday, of course, will mark the first time since the 2014 campaign that Alabama is not participating in the national championship game, and they missed, uh, they missed the uh, playoff for the first time since the format's inception this past fall. And he posted a 10-2 uh, finish with the regular season, and then they won their bowl game against uh, Michigan 35-16 uh, to 16 on New Year's Day. Now. Of the trio of head coach guests, Day, uh, Day has had the most success during the 2019 season, his first as Ohio State's head coach, as we all know. And the Buckeyes went – they went a perfect 13-0 and en route to a third consecutive Big Ten title uh, and the team's first bid to a college football playoff since the 2016 season, entering as the number two team in the country. Uh, and then we know what happened in the Fiesta Bowl, the 29-23 loss that they suffered. And Texas A&M, meanwhile, they went on – uh, to finish overall eight and five in in their second season under uh, Jimbo Fisher, and, and it's uh, set for seven o'clock Central Time, so that's eight o'clock Eastern Time. And LSU is seeking its fourth national title and its first since 2007. And we all know that Clemson is looking to repeat as national champions uh, for the thir- uh, for the team's third title in a span of four seasons. So, uh, as we were talking about uh, Nick Saban and all of the things that, that he has done. Uh, and throughout his coaching career, no matter where he's gone, there, there has been success. And uh, a 10-2 and two, a 10 and two record is a success in, in a lot of the books of, of a lot of these teams uh, that are out there that are not 10-2. They, they would wish to be 10-2. Um, but Alabama, it just happens to be their year that they're not. 
uh, in the national championship conversation. And, and we played this what if game uh, yesterday uh, in, in this article put out by the Bleacher Report um, and, and kind of, you know, putting out the pushing out this, the speculations of the of the what if game. If, if Tua had stayed healthy, then maybe that they go on and and, uh, and play for another national championship and uh, and probably go against LSU. Uh, instead of Oklahoma getting in, and, and that would just be the that would be the conversation. That would be that. But you know, nonetheless, Nick Saban uh, being a prominent role, I, I think it. I think one, it's deserving because he he is probably um, the the next man to to Dabo Sweeney in recent in recent memory that has a a, a stellar resume that can um, you know be like an ESPN uh, coaches uh, analyst or somebody who can uh, that who can just go and you know, be able to give insight, plenty of insight from a coach's standpoint on the games and, and how they, and how that they've been played. Plus he's played these two teams um, before. Uh, and, and there's not really much, there's nothing really that different from uh, Clemson from last year. Uh, there are some key pieces on defense that have uh, gone on from the NFL and like Hunter Renfro, he's no longer a receiver there, but a lot of the guys that they have retained from Clemson are still on that team that were there in the national championship game last year. Also, the LSU, that, that's a team that he, he plays in the regular season. They're at SEC West. They both are. And so going after them, uh, that, that's something uh, that Nick Saban has insight on. And so he has insight on, on both of these teams uh, going into uh, this championship game on Monday. Now, you, you mentioned a couple of names. Did you mention Lincoln Riley? Is he on that list that's going to be there? Uh, Lincoln Riley is not on that I, list. And I wonder how he feels about that. He's getting, you know, Ohio State's first-time coaches in there, and now he's going to be on there. You got a guy, Jimbo Fisher. You haven't done anything, Jimbo, by the way, in, in a long time. You didn't do much at Florida State. You haven't really done anything at A&M. So, but that's great. I guess you have a great name, so we're going to bring you in. I, I don't understand the Jimbo Fisher deal. Why? What does he have to bring to the table? I guess because he knows Clemson because he played coach at Florida State, or he knows Alabama because he's been coaching at A&M. Or maybe it's just it's Jimbo Fisher, but but I mean that's no different than I mean heck if that's the case, go ahead and bring in bring Will in Lincoln Mush- Riley or bring or in Will Muschamp. Br- Will Muschamp because Will Muschamp played both of these guys and he knows Alabama, he bring knows in, Clemson. Bring in Kirby Smart, bring in James Franklin, I mean, bring in Jim Harbaugh. But why bring in this guy though? What does he have to bring? What what does he have to offer? I mean Jim Harbaugh would be different because I don't think he's played either one of these teams. But that, that's my point though for me. So if I'm Lincoln Riley, I'm wondering, well, did he get the phone call and he was like, no, I'm good. I don't I don't, I don't really want to go there. And, and I can speak on behalf of a lot of coaches that don't go in high school level. They don't go to the state championship game because they're like, I'm not going to go watch somebody else play a game that I didn't get to. That's, that's, that's kind of pouring salt in the wound. So that may be his deal there as well. Another thing, I get Nick Saban being there. Nick Saban, by the way, is, is the best coach in college football. Yes, no doubt. I mean, is, is Dabo chasing him? Yes. Is he close to him? I, I don't know if he's as close as what we think he is because the talent that he has to coach against day in and day out in Alabama is a lot tougher than what Dabo has to deal with every day. I wonder what Dabo would be like in the SEC. And I, I, and I would like to see Dabo and Clemson entirely like move neighborhoods and, and come to the SEC. I would love that aspect on behalf of so many levels because it's an automatic rivalry for Georgia. It's an automatic rivalry for Florida. I mean, there's just a lot of good comes out of Clemson moving into the SEC. They've got the fan base, but that's for another show. But I just wonder how good Dabo would be in a more competitive conference week in and week out. You can get up every once in a while for this, that, and the other. I mean, that's, that happens. I mean, he's had he – had always, they always say he has a lot of time to prepare for these big bowl games and things like that too. But I do give him credit. I think if he's not the number two, maybe number three best coach in college football right now. Uh, and I, I would give him number two right now as it goes right now. But I, I do say that Nick Saban's 
far and few ahead of everybody, you know, even though he's at 10 and two right now. Now, if Tua was hurt or not hurt, I still don't think they end up in the state in, in this championship game. I, I don't think their defense was good enough. We saw it last year. Uh, I, I think if it did size up, will that LSU had to play Alabama again and, 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 and actually in Atlanta, I, I think LSU still finds a way to win that one as well. Um, I just think overall, that's just kind of where it is, but this game Defined so much. I mean, 30 wins in a row for Clemson. That's impressive. I mean, that right there alone, I don't care what division, what region, what conference, what area code you're in, that's that's impressive. 30 wins in a row. And you know, in another article that keeps coming up, you wonder about Trevor Lawrence. He's going to come back, but but what does he have to gain, you know, by coming back? Because I think his stock is as high as it's going to get right now. There's no doubt. If he, if he ended the draft today, he would be, if not number two, he'd be number three. He'd be ahead. He could easily be ahead of, of two. Yeah. Because of the injury. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that he, he's a sophomore. So, right. it, like, by, by the law of the he NCAA, can't. he can't do that. Like, right. He has to be at least three years. And he's a true freshman. He wasn't even redshirted. He, he is a true freshman that, uh, that came into this program, and he took over. Right, the third he, or fourth game. Third or fourth game. And he's 25-0 and 0 as a starter going for his 26th uh, win. And that would be something – uh, that would be something to behold because I, I don't I don't recall any at any point in time in a college career w- within the scope of, of a college career that a quarterback the starting quarterback goes for for twenty five straight wins and he would be going for number twenty six. Yeah, that'd be an interesting number to look at. And I know McElroy kind of comes to mind. Jim McElroy, who was a quarterback at, at Alabama, uh, his name would come about. And I mean, I'm sure that they're there numbers or there's I'm sure some stats somewhere you can search it up and, and find it but he's going to be an elite guy we knew he was an elite guy he didn't even know who Clemson was coming out of high school you know coming in once he was in high school but because of somebody that was on his coaching staff was like a kicker at Clemson back in the day that's what propelled him to go to Clemson he had he wasn't even looking at he was he's a Georgia guy you know he was a guy that grew up right down the road from a starting quarterback from uh, uh I, I want to say from what, Ohio State you know, they're both from the state of Georgia within like 15 miles of one another. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of things that worked into that. But, yeah, this kid is the real deal. I, I think that if he could go in the draft, he would easily be the number two draft pick of the quarterbacks uh, right ahead of Tua just because Tua's hurt. Now, healthy Tua might be a different conversation. But when I watched that young man, and here's what Alabama and, and anybody who, who will tell you what they saw last year and what LSU needs to be aware of this year is watch out for this man. When he breaks loose, Will, he has it, – it looks like he's toting a dump truck. doesn't look like he's running very fast, but he's got long legs, so he's able to strive his way an extra few steps along the way to kind of catch up. But for me to watch what he's able to do – and I heard the, the interview. They asked him about the hit. They asked him about what happened. He thought he broke his collarbone. He thought that's what happened. He thought that the hit coming from the backside, I think is what he said, thought he broke his collarbone because it was, it was basically a stinger, and that's why he laid there for as long as he did. So uh, he's definitely a gamer. He got back in after sitting out a, a play or two and the game came in. But, you know, it, it, it is what it is. It's going to go on three different guys. I think on the secondary, um, is it Higgins? Higgins is your is, it, is Higgins a defensive guy for Clemson? Or is he your wide receiver? No, he's your wide receiver. He's a number, number five? Number, I think he's a number three. Got to look at it. Uh, yeah. But, but I, Isaiah Simmons is one of the, okay. de- the defensive That's guys. who I'm talking about. You're, he's going to have to have a heck of a day come Monday night. He's going to have to stand tall on his corners. He's going to have to play the position that he knows to play. And, and I don't think for one minute that, that they're not going to be able to square up. But you've got a handful of receivers there at LSU that can catch this football. They're doing paper, rock, scissors to see who's going to catch it. One guy individually caught four of them. 
in the first half at LSU against Oklahoma. Now, I do think Clemson's secondary is a lot better, but, you know, Brent Venables is one of the greatest defensive coordinators I've seen, but he's not playing the game on Monday night. He's only going to coach these kids that are coming in, and there there is some guys that, that they've had to kind of put in, and they've adjusted themselves well. So, to me, that's going to be big, and then uh, that number, uh, I, I thought for some reason it, it comes up number seven as, as, as a wide receiver there for you guys. Um, he's going to have to have a heck of a, day, a game, too. But you guys have receivers that can jump out of a gym, so I'm not worried about that. Yeah, uh, and, and with this game, too, just kind of putting things into perspective, you have uh, five players uh, from, from each side of the ball for a total of ten players that will possibly go in the first uh, two or three rounds of, of the uh, 2020 draft. Uh, that includes Joe Burrow. Uh, Clemson. He's, a, he's the linebacker. T. Higgins, the wide receiver from, from Clemson. Uh, the safety, Grant Delpit from LSU. Then LSU's uh, corner, uh, Christian Fulton. And then Calavon uh, uh, Chasen, the edge rusher from LSU. Another one from LSU, Justin Jefferson. He's a wide receiver. A.J. Terrell, cornerback from Clemson. And then the last two from Clemson, Travis Etienne, the running back. And then uh, John Simpson, he's an a offensive lineman. So you, you take a look at this and and, you know, just to, again, the perspective here is the, the talent that's across the board. And, and you want to ask how, how LSU made it here. It is uh, the word offense. And, you know, of course, with Joe Burrow and his favorite targets, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, they, they've caught 18 touchdowns uh, each. And, and that's an that's a FBS high, by the way. And then uh, Jamar Chase, he's had 75 receptions for about uh, close to 1,600 yards. Jefferson uh, has 102 for about 1,400. Uh, but for good measure, each of uh, Terrace Marshall Jr., Thaddeus Moss, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, they have 40-plus catches. That that offense and the utility players are just absolutely talented out the wazoo. And that that's going to be a lot for, for Clemson to cover, uh, especially considering that they, they have game film. They, they have the game film to go back and look at and to, and to see, okay, what does this coverage look like? What, is, what do they do if we do this uh, usually? Uh, and, and just a, a lot of those uh, predictions, because you know LSU has never LSU has never played them before, and I don't think that um, that college football has the advantage like the NFL does, where uh, the NFL that they have the little tablet uh, on the sideline that the quarterback can go back and look at and, and say like, okay, I see I see where they did this, uh, I see where they did this whenever I went out of the pocket or, or whenever I threw it. How much distance do I need? Uh, to have between a receiver and a, and a corner or a receiver and a secondary before I throw it uh, to, to make sure that it's secure and all of those things. Uh, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure that college football has that, but it, it would be, it, it would not be uh, an advantage if they did because uh, LSU just has a bunch of different looks that they can throw your way and, uh, and make you pay for it. Quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. Their offensive line, their offensive coordinator, their offense in general, very good. Their running back has an ability. I think he had some ankle injuries, uh, going against Oklahoma, they ended up kind of taping up that ankle a little bit more. And there's still the question there a couple of weeks ago that he may or may not play anyways. We had the caller call in, uh, Greg called in from Hometown Pizza talking about the teams that, that, that Ohio, of course, he was a Buckeye guy who they may not have guys coming in. And, of course, uh, or with Oklahoma, excuse me, but he is an Ohio guy, but he was talking about Oklahoma may not have some guys in LSU and so on and so forth. But that being said, you know, you have to watch it. It is number five, by the way. Higgins is number five. I thought it was. I thought it was five. I knew seven was a defensive end uh, for Clemson. But Higgins is, is the guy. I, I think him being healthy and, and him having the ability to get open in some routes is going to open up some other wide receivers. And, and we'll see kind of what we have there. 
with some of their guys. I know there were some injuries throughout the game that, that Clemson's uh, one of the gentlemen kept dealing with a shoulder injury, he landed on a couple times. That also is something that you're going to watch out for. Uh, and, and then, of course, that, that big-time running back, Etienne, he is a, a huge deal breaker and maker in this game. I think it's going to fall a lot more on his shoulders than anybody's because if you could open up that running game, then here comes the passing game and vice versa. So to get one, to get the other, you're going to have to have them both in line for them to even, I, I think, beat a team like LSU. Yeah, uh, it was Justin Ross and T. Higgins. They wouldn't elaborate. Uh, on their various elements in the Fiesta Bowl, but both are expected to play. And, and it's a good thing that the, you know, about two weeks rest uh, for, for these young players uh, to be able to, to nurse the injuries and get back to health. Also with, uh, with Clemson, their defensive tackle, uh, Niles Pickney, he uh, said that he quote-unquote got banged up, but he, he should be ready to go uh, for a game against LSU. But Blake Vinson and um, Brian uh, Brighton Cartillion, uh, they are also out, neither previously really held a major role. So, uh, not much missing for for Clemson on the on the injury report, but um, the the biggest thing is uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh, that was uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He injured his hamstring um, just a little bit before the Oklahoma game, and he was very limited to what he could do. Um, and then now now that it's been two weeks and it wasn't that major of an injury, uh, he is no longer mentioned in the injury reports uh, released to the press. So expect him to be. Uh, playing a prominent role for for the LSU's offense, and really, really and truly, uh, just to just to kind of wrap all of this up, both of these teams and the storylines, I, I firmly believe that they don't really care what the storylines are because LSU has been things despite the conversation surrounding Joe, this conversation surrounding all of these things um, that, that LSU has done. Bringing in a Joe Brady, Coach O, and his um, Coach O, and the and the what the crazy uncle stories that you can you can throw out there, the kind of cliche of uh, crazy uncle stories. And then with Clemson, I mean Clemson, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I think that they that they like to play the the underdog card and and uh, make it appear on national television. But like really and truly, uh, especially speaking for LSU, both of these teams don't really care about what the conversation is surrounding them. They just know that hey. TV's turned off in, in the practice facility. We need to we need to do this. We need to do this. We need to do this. We need to go fight and win. And that's what uh, that's really what the the conversation really boils down to when talking about these two programs because they are they are the two real complete teams uh, in college football this year. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think I'll say this. I'll let you go to break here at nine thirty. Uh, that being said, yeah, I think it's go time. We can be play the game you know this time coming uh you know next week we'll be talking about what it was not what it's going to be or, or what it is but uh it is going to be a lot of fun to finally watch these two teams square off and you mentioned this there's going to be so many coverages so many different channels from the air from the ground from the from different camera point of views from different studios i mean it's going to come at you from different languages i mean this as it's been in the last years They've added something every single year, something new, something pretty crazy. And, and again, it is what it is. I'm I'm kind of fun about this because, you know, I am a Gamecock guy. So, you know, we weren't even close to getting into a bowl game. So this game was not even a, a thought in, in the opinions. But it's, I, I am that guy that can watch this thing. And, and, look, I just want a good game out of this so that we have a show Tuesday afternoon. We can kind of rehash this thing out and have some fun. Now, you're a Tiger fan. I know you want to get your Clemson Tigers in victory lane there. But for me, you know, it, it is what it is here. So, 
Uh, let's go to break, brother. We'll come back. Uh, let's dive into some NFL, man. We got 30 minutes. That sounds good. Uh, so, yeah, you're listening to the Southern Sports Central fifth quarter radio show right here on Blog Talk Radio. Time is uh, at 9:31. Got about another uh, half hour of uh, sports coverage to get into. back in here everybody time is 9 34 a.m and with about 25 minutes left here in this broadcast the fifth quarter radio show on southern sports central i say welcome in uh everybody who is uh just tuning in or uh or has been uh tuning in welcome back so my name is will porter to my right is richie alban and we're going right into the matt's burgers hotlines where we have uh uh, our our good friend from the Charlotte 49ers, uh, Reginald Walker Jr. To that I say, uh, top of the morning to you, my friend. Uh, how is your Saturday going so far? Saturday is going well. I guess I'm saved by the bell, right? I got I got about 25 minutes. I got I got in. Yes, sir. You certainly did. So um, we're we're going to uh, transition into the NFL in just a minute, but I I do want to uh, get your thoughts and opinions on this uh, college football playoff national championship game, Clemson and LSU uh, fighting for, for a spot. Uh, Clemson seeking its uh, third title in the past four years, going for two in a row, going for uh, 30 straight wins, which is uh, quite, quite the incredible feat. 
and uh, LSU going for their uh, completing their Cinderella story, kind of a, a game uh, going to be played sort of in their backyard. They're going to have to drive just a little ways to get there, but uh, it's going to be you know in in uh, from Baton Rouge to Louis, uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, kickoff time at eight o'clock on ESPN on Monday night. Uh, your thoughts on this game uh, and how the the storylines and all those things surrounding how it's going to play out. Yeah, I think I think first and foremost, and and look, uh, people can talk about you know Clemson and 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 what the ACC looked like, but more than anything, not only do you have the stage of the national championship game, but that eighty mile trip for LSU, it's also an eighty mile trip for their fans. They're gonna have to Clemson's gonna have to weather the storm of the emotions of the environment early in the football game. They can't get down sixteen to nothing like they did. Uh, uh, against Ohio State, you get behind like that in this game against an LSU offense that is as potent as it is, as it is, and against that crowd because it's going to be loud, and I can guarantee you, it is going to be mostly uh, purple and yellow down there. You can get yourself in some trouble. Now, with that being said, if there's any team that you could trust to get through that, it's Clemson. They've got a quarterback who hasn't lost a college game. Uh, they've got a running back and a running game that's effective um, at keeping the football away from other teams and can create big plays, explosive plays in the running game. And then they've got a plethora of receivers and weapons for Trevor Lawrence to throw to uh, behind an offensive line that's done nothing but improve the entire year. If that offense can get going early, uh, they can weather that storm. If they struggle early, uh, they're going to have to work their way back, and it's always tougher to work your way back, obviously, uh, than it is to play with a lead. Uh, But to me in this game, I think it's going to come down to uh, who makes the better adjustments? Uh, is, it, is it Dave Aranda and LSU in that defense, or is it going to be Brent Venables and his, and his Clemson defense? That's going to determine to me how this football game is played. If Clemson can get after the quarterback with four and they don't have to send extra guys uh, to really get, under, get, get after Joe Burrow and they can play some coverage over the top, that'll slow those receivers down. And then the flip side, uh, if you're, if you're uh, LSU on defense, do you have to spin that safety down in the box to deal with Travis Etienne in this running game? Because if you do, then the play action opens up and you're playing a lot of one-on-one on the outside. And Clemson's just got too many weapons. They've got four or five guys that can really beat you in the passing game. I'm not sure that LSU has four or five defensive backs that they can play a one-on-one with back there and really deal with Clemson. Yeah, we're live right now with uh, Reginald Walker Jr., one of the, the voices in, in the world of sports. He is the voice of the uh, Charlotte 49ers up there uh, in North Carolina. Great insights, by the way. Uh, some some points that we uh, over here on our end uh, didn't uh, didn't get into. But the one thing you talked about is uh, is the uh, adjustments and and what that what can they be able to do uh, when the going gets tough, whether or not that you're up or whether or not you're down. Whichever team uh, does that will eventually prevail. And that's going to be that's going to be the key for uh, the environment in which you know Clemson is in and for LSU going against a. a a team that that is also uh, you know jam packed with talent on on the offensive side uh, of the ball. So uh, with that kind of going now into the NFL conversation because there there are two games today and two games tomorrow. You have the uh, NFC divisional playoffs uh, coming up uh, at four thirty. Uh, that that's going to be on NBC. The Vikings taking on the Forty ers and then later on uh, tonight a primetime game. At 8:15, the the Titans uh, going against the Ravens. I kind of uh, kind of went on and talking about these teams uh, and and these matchups a little bit more in detail 
uh, yesterday, but uh, and of course I didn't have really uh, some someone like yourself to uh, give some input and, and analysis into these games uh, up and coming. But now that I have you here, now uh, the first game to get into is the the Minnesota Vikings and the San Francisco uh, 49ers. Now, uh, Kirk Cousins uh, starting the 49ers' first playoff game at Levi Stadium was how Coach Kyle Shanahan planned it when he took over in San Francisco back in, in 2017. But the surprise is that Cousins is now starting for the Minnesota Vikings instead of the Niners uh, when they are going to meet uh, today. Now, things have worked out just fine for both Cousins and Shanahan, even though the quarterback and play caller never reunited after building a strong relationship during their time together in Washington. And that was back in uh, 2012 and 2013. The 49ers are 13-3. They acquired Jimmy Garoppolo in a trade from New England during the 2017 season. That was months before Cousins hit the free agency market, uh, and he built, they built a strong team just around a different quarterback. Um, the, the spread here, of course, is, is going to be in, in favor of San Francisco uh, by, by a score, by a touchdown and, and seven points and the over and under at 44 and a half. But th- this, these are two teams, really, um, one that's been consistent all year, uh, one that has kind of had to uh, pick it back up uh, in a way from, from the beginning of the season with Minnesota being uh, 10 and 6. ESPN's FPI has San Francisco a 66.1% favorite in, in their matchup predictions. Uh, what, what's the thing to look at in this game here? I think the thing to look at in this game is who runs the football more effectively. I think I think Dalvin Cook, if, if Dalvin Cook is running the ball effectively, then Kirk Cousins is only in a situation where he's going play action and taking shots down the field for the most part. That's how Minnesota wants to play football. Dalvin Cook first, Kirk Cousins with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen second. If they're able to do that and win the line of scrimmage, that's the key because San Francisco defensive front-wise, they're really good. If Bosa it's making plays in the backfield against the run. It's going to be a long day for Minnesota because that means they can't run the football, which means they're one-handed and they're blatantly obviously throwing the football. And at that point, the rest of that defensive line will come after the quarterback and Kirk Cousins. And that's when Kirk Cousins makes mistakes. When he's under heavy pressure, he makes mistakes. So it's incumbent upon the offensive line and Dalvin Cook in particular. If they want to get a road win, that's what they're going to have to do. I say this all the time. There are two things that always get on the plane to go to a road game the running game, and defense. If the running game and the Minnesota defense don't make their way to Levi Stadium, they're going to get run out of that stadium. If those two elements show up, regardless of what Kirk Cousins is able to do, Minnesota will be in this football game. Yeah, the thing with Dalvin Cook, he has uh, on the season so far 250 carries for just over 1,100 yards and 13 touchdowns. And, uh, and with Kirk Cousins, he has 26 touchdowns and six interceptions um, and compared to Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, 27 touchdowns and, and 13 interceptions, obviously uh, the good balance there for um, for the for the offense on Minnesota's side is is for sure going to be the run game and how they can be able to utilize that against the against the 49ers defense that that has proven themselves uh, quite strong in, in a lot of matchups this season um, down the stretch as, as far as the, the Seattle game was concerned in week 17, that, that one was a, a very uh, close game nail biter, uh, came down to, uh, what was it? Half of a yard, uh, a stop that, that San Francisco prevented the Seattle Seahawks from scoring, uh, in that game. Then transitioning into the AFC, uh, divisional playoff, uh, round the number one, um, the number one overall seeded 
Ravens. Uh, but they are going to play host to the Tennessee Titans, who are, are coming off a very, um, a very powerful win, a, a statement win, an emotional win, uh, if you will. The Tennessee Titans taking down the New England Patriots uh, last week, and uh, and and pretty pretty handily. But this one is going to be uh, quite the challenge for for Tennessee as well. Now it's going to be containing Lamar Jackson, and it's been virtually impossible for opposing defenses this season. And now that task falls on the Tennessee Titans to find a way uh, to slow down a versatile quarterback um, who is equally adept at running the ball and, and throwing it downfield. And Mike Vrabel acknowledged this, the Titans head coach. He said, other than try to tie his shoelaces together, not many people have had uh, success. They bring uh, the Baltimore Ravens, they bring in a 12-game win streak and the most productive offense in the NFL into Saturday's AFC playoff game against the Titans. Uh, and, and Tennessee's hope of pulling off another upset that rests upon keeping Jackson in check, but also, uh, but also it's that the, the solid run game in Derrick Henry. He's the NFL's leading rusher for, for a good reason. And he's a six foot three, 247-pound bruiser who has throttled the Patriots. He throttled the Patriots in that game for 182 yards on the ground and just eating up the clock. Um, something that Ravens defensive coordinator Don Martindale said, he's like one of those guys that the kids create on Madden. You shouldn't be that big and be able to run like he runs. Obviously, they are going to have the, uh, to bring their their lunch. <laughs> they're going to have to bring their lunchbox, uh, work hat, and just go play football with him. Absolutely. I mean, and it start. Look, I think the key to this game is if Mark Ingram can outrush Derrick Henry. I think the Ravens win this football game easily because uh, the Titans are a team that they're not explosive. And so what happens is if you can keep the football away from them by using Mark Ingram in that running game, regardless of what Lamar Jackson is doing, if Mark Ingram in that running game uh, of the Baltimore Ravens is effective and and, and eating up the clock, when the Titans get the football back, they're going to be forced to ask Ryan Tannehill to go win the football game with his arm instead of winning the game on the back of Derrick Henry. So the key to me is who wins the battle, who has more rushing yards. Will it be Mark Ingram the second with the Baltimore Ravens or will it be Derrick Henry? I think this is going to be a close football game. I think it's going to be a lower-scoring football game. I think Lamar Jackson's going to make some plays. And I always say this about Lamar Jackson when people talk about him. that They, they like to discuss – a lot of folks like to talk about that they don't think he's very much of a passer. Here's why he's been so accurate, particularly this season, but in general in his, in his NFL career, and, and, and why his numbers have looked so good. When he was in college, not games, but in practice – Bobby Petrino, a lot of people don't realize Bobby Petrino, who has always been a really good uh, teacher at the quarterback position, Bobby Petrino did not allow Lamar Jackson to run the football in practice. Never. He was never allowed to run the football in practice. Every single snap, Lamar Jackson had to read the defense and make a throw, or if he couldn't figure out what it was, it was a sack. He was not allowed to run. So his acumen in terms of reading and understanding what defenses are trying to do is much better than people realize. Did we think he would be this effective this early? No, I didn't. I thought next year would be the year where he'd have an MVP type of year. But Lamar Jackson is playing well. He's smart with the football. He doesn't make mistakes. He protects it. As long as he continues to do that and they use that big offensive line and turn around and hand the football off to Mark Ingram the second, if they can do that and maintain the possession of the game, I think the key to this game is going to be Mark Ingram versus Derrick Henry in terms of rushing yards and overall for the teams, time of possession. 
If the Ravens are at 38 minutes or better in terms of time of possession, they win the football game. If the if it's flipped the other way, the Titans will win this game going away because of their ability to run the football. These two offensive lines against these two defensive lines are the key to the entire football game. Yeah, of course, no doubt about it. Uh, live right now with uh, Reginald Walker, who is uh, uh, he covers the the Charlotte 49ers, uh, being being the play by play guy up there. Um, some, something interesting, too, about this game uh, that, that was pointed out to me earlier this week, I think it was on Thursday, there are going to be five, count that, one, two, three, four, five Heisman Trophy winners that are going to be like, featured on, they're, they're going to be on the roster uh, for this game. Of course, you have the two from the Tennessee Titans, that is Marcus Mariota and Derrick Henry at the running back. On the Baltimore side, it's going to be RG3, Lamar Jackson, and, um, and Mark Ingram. And th- those, are the, those are the five guys that uh, obviously, at the time, they were the best in, in college football. And uh, some, uh, they, you know that some things have changed. The, the, the storylines that have followed these players have been different. But nonetheless, uh, this is how they meet. Um, this is how they meet together and just how the, the stars would align to have five former Heisman Trophy winners in a game such as this. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, a, that's, that's an incredible thing. And, and, and you look back at those guys and, uh, you know, Mark Ingram, when you look at him – uh, he was the, the, I guess, the eldest, if you will, of all those Heisman Trophy winners. And a lot of people said in the year that he won it, it was just kind of he was the best player on the best team. But if you really go back and look, he carried that Alabama football team to great heights that year. Uh, and so you have to give Mark Ingram credit. And he, and he, he played well when he was down in New Orleans with the Saints. And, and listen, as good as that offense was this year and as much as uh, the Saints won football games in the NFC South and got to the playoffs as well, I think they missed, missed him throughout the season, not having that one-two punch with him and Kamara out of that backfield along with Drew Brees. That's a factor. Uh, you look at RG3, who accepted what was going on with his career and was willing to be a backup and recreate himself, which I think was a smart move for his career. Uh, obviously, Lamar Jackson is through the roof so good right now, playing great football, a young guy, uh, just, just pushing his team to great heights. And then you look at Mariota, his career's kind of gone in a different direction. At least this year, he's kind of struggled, never really turned the corner fully. But then the last guy you look at is Derrick Henry. He's an anomaly, right? He's a six foot three inch, 240 plus pound running back. He runs too high. People say, oh, he's not fast enough, people say. And every time you turn around, he's lowering the shoulder, running through somebody, and then he's turning around and running away from a secondary. Derrick Henry, he may not pass the eye test as a running back in terms of the ability to make big plays in the running game, but then you turn the tape on and you realize why this young man won a Heisman Trophy at Alabama, won championships at Alabama, and is driving his team on his back through the playoffs this year. I think it's going to be big, and I think Derrick Henry uh, and, and the two guys that are going to decide it, as I mentioned earlier, besides these offensive lines, are going to be those two running backs, and Derrick Henry and Mark Ingram, two Heisman Trophy winners. Yeah, no doubt about it. Live right now with uh, Reginald Walker. He also played at uh, Penn State under uh, Joe Paterno in, in those uh, days of uh, Jopa. Uh, no, we only got just a, a few short minutes left, but I, I do kind of want to dive into these uh, games on Sunday, another AFC and NFC uh, divisional playoff games. The Texans at the Chiefs. Uh, Kansas City is favored uh, 10 points going into this game, and uh, th- this is going to be a quarterback. Uh, this is going to be a quarterback showdown, if you will. Uh, between Deshaun Watson and uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, because both of these teams, uh, they had a player, uh, they had uh, days where both of these players were uh, like just uh, just kind of trying out. They they were both 
uh, put through their paces. And, and the Chiefs like everything that Watson did over those couple of days, but they absolutely loved uh, what Mahomes did in, in those uh, uh, in those uh, days whenever they were just trying uh, the, the scribbling, the plays, and all of that. Uh, Kansas City, of course, they went and got Patrick Mahomes, and then uh, the Texans were left with uh, taking Deshaun Watson. So this is going to be a, a quarterback matchup of things. Uh, your thoughts on this one, uh, Houston and Kansas City kicking off at 3.05 on Sunday. I think this game is going to be very interesting, and I think it's, it's, it's what it's going to come down to is, is we've seen, right, the a lot of folks call – Deshaun Watson, right? They, you know, Dabo Sweeney kind of threw out there. He's the Michael Jordan of the quarterback position or Michael Jordan of football. Here's the problem. His offensive line is a bunch of guys that are at the end of the rosters getting a lot of DNP coaches' decisions in certain situations. That offensive line is not great. Laramie Tunsil, they traded for uh, from Miami. He's helped them a little bit. But we see Deshaun Watson running for his life entirely too much. Now that the Chiefs have improved their defense, you get a guy like Terrell Suggs, all those things, now they're getting after the quarterback. The problem is if Deshaun Watson's got to run around for 60 minutes to try to will his team to a victory against Pat Mahomes, who's going to stand back there in the pocket with guys like Tariq Hill running around and, and, and Kareem Hunt running around, that's a problem. And at the end of the day, I think Kansas City wins this game going away because that offense, I think, is too potent, and their defense is good enough to get after Deshaun Watson enough to slow down the Texans, and it's not going to be the greatest of weather out there in Kansas City either. All of a sudden, the Texans have to be outdoors in the playoffs in January. That does not bode well for that offense. I expect Kansas City to win big. And live right now with uh, Reginald Walker, and once again, uh, thank you so much for, for joining us. And, and the last matchup is uh, it's going to be the 640 uh, game time slot. The Seattle Seahawks going to visit uh, the Packers in Green Bay. Uh, on Sunday night, uh, going into Sunday evening. The storyline here is that this is uh, Aaron Rodgers' chance to capture a second Super Bowl title. He won his first nearly a decade ago, but now it's fair to say that that time is running out. Now, Rodgers has said that it's on his mind every day. That's why we play the game. That's why you put put in the time in the offseason. That's why you do the little things. It's to put yourself in the position where you're two games away from being able to uh, compete for that and, and the the comment that he said that he was he was drafted um that i i was that at, at that age now i believe that brett Favre was when i was drafted this is uh the words of aaron Rodgers, and obviously closer to the finish than the beginning the most important thing is winning and i know how difficult a couple of those years were when we weren't winning um your thoughts on this matchup as it's going to come down to the the health uh with which team is the healthiest yeah, I agree with that. I, th- I think health is going to be a factor, and the other piece of it is this. I think this is going to be more of a defensive struggle. Um, I think I think Seattle's defense has been playing really well lately. Uh, Russell Wilson keeps you in games and then makes plays late. Uh, Aaron Rodgers can do the same thing. Green Bay is probably the the best defense or one of the better defenses they've had in Aaron Rodgers' career uh, in Green Bay. I, I think the the key to this football game down the stretch is going to be uh, the playmakers for Aaron Rodgers. Does he have enough guys? on the outside, because I think they're going to run the football well. Uh, the Packers will. They're, they're playing at home, obviously. They're going to run the football first and then let Aaron Rodgers make plays with his feet. I think this game may come down to one of those situations where there's a free play uh, for Aaron Rodgers because this is a very aggressive Seattle defense. 
In the fourth quarter, keep your eyes open. If Aaron Rodgers gets a situation where someone jumps off sides, it's an automatic deep ball. If he hits that deep ball, that's where you'll see Seattle, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Green Bay uh, win the football game. If he doesn't get one of those opportunities, I think Russell Wilson has a chance to beat them late. But I think Green Bay's defense holds up late in this football game. I think they win this one by probably about four points, something like something like a 17-13 type of score. It's not going to be a high-scoring game. This is going to be a lower-scoring game. Yeah, that and plus the, the elements that these teams are, are going to have to play in. Of course, Green Bay is usually used to it by, by December or by November, how cold that it is. Uh, with Seattle, if it snows up there, then uh, then they're going to have uh, to contend with that as well. But uh, Seattle very accustomed to to the cold weather football that is uh, January, that is playoffs. Uh, so I, I'm looking for that also to, uh, to be a factor as well, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, the elements are always a factor in January, and uh, I expect Green Bay to handle them better uh, than Seattle. Listen, Seattle's used to rain. Uh, they're used to cooler temperatures. Um but that's a different type of cold in Green Bay. Um, that I don't know exactly what the temperature is going to be, uh, but the elements are always a factor uh, up in Green Bay, and that's a tough football team to add to it. And now they can run the football and pound you. And so you add that to the equation, uh, and I think this, this Green Bay team is, is poised uh, to have an opportunity uh, to at least get to the Super Bowl. I think, I think they will get to the NFC Championship game. I think they beat Seattle, uh, but I do think it's going to be a close game. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, live right now with Reginald Walker. Hey, thank you so much uh, for joining us on, on this Saturday. I know uh, taking the time away uh, from, from your family this morning or, or uh, whatever it is that you're doing, but um, a great, great slate of football to uh, be had, a great five games uh, coming up this weekend into Monday. And so uh, I, I'm sure that you're going to be watching them uh, just the same as we are on this end. Absolutely. Locked in the five really good football games over the next three days. Looking forward to just watching a whole lot of ball and really enjoying it. All right. Uh, well, we will catch you on the flip side, Reggie. Uh, you take you take care and uh, have a good rest of your weekend. Absolutely. You two guys, thanks for having me. Yes, sir. There you have it. Uh, Reginald Walker, he's the voice of the uh, Charlotte 49ers up there. He also played under Joe Paterno at uh, Penn State, and he is a Penn State guy and uh, – uh, just a great, great football mind that he has to look at. Uh, Richie, any final thoughts for you uh, coming into the – as we uh, kind of uh, rounding out the show now, the, these matchups, which one are you more – for the NFL anyway, which one are you more uh, keen to look at? Well, for NFL, of course, I, I'm a Packer guy, so I'm going to be keeping an eye on that Seattle you know, game there. But, but it's very interesting to see what's going to happen on the other side of the coast over there uh, with San Francisco. How, how good are they? How, what are they going to be able to do? Are they going to be able to find a way to win their game and in the AFC? Can, can Baltimore continue this momentum going? I mean, that, that, that's kind of one of the things that I'm looking at for it there as well. One thing I do want to want to give a plug to, because the FCS national championship is today as well, by the way, Yes, uh, that's at 12 o'clock today. You're going to see a very good since 2011, man, it has been all North Dakota, number one team, uh, in the country in that rank, and they're playing against James Madison, 12 o'clock ABC uh, over there in Texas. You want to check that out, too. Yeah, that one's going to be a good game as well. Not not to discount the FCS because we do focus on the FBS, but that that's some good football that comes hey, out of The Bisons are North 14 Dakota. and 0. Oh, yeah, they <laughs> no, win, no doubt. So, um, yeah, the, the great, great games of, of football still left to be played today and uh, and tomorrow and on Monday, of course, and each one has their own storyline. That, uh, that, to me, is what makes it so great. 
Uh, you can't just pick out one game. I, of course, I want to because I'm a Clemson guy, but I'm also a Green Bay guy. So it just it's how it works out. But nonetheless, thank you guys so much for joining us here on this uh, Saturday edition, the fifth quarter radio show on Southern Sports Central. We will see you on Monday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. So we're going to continue to push that out on the social medias and things like that. On behalf of Richie Altman, my name is Will Porter. Thank you to so much of our sponsors at making this possible. And we will see you on Monday. Take care, guys. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.